I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Far-Fetched Fables, part of the District of Wonders Network, featuring Starship Sofa, Tales to Terrify, Crime City Central, and Protecting Project Pulp. Everyone has a story in the District of Wonders. Come and find yours. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Wherever you are, wherever you're listening from, this is Far-Fetched Fables. Welcome to show number 111. I'm your host, Nicholas eaton Clark, and we have a couple of quick announcements before we get to this week's fiction. First, a quick reminder. Far-Fetched Fables will be taking story and art submissions throughout the month of July. Pop on over to the submissions page of our website for details. And second, as with many other podcasts out there, the District of Wonders podcast will begin featuring advertising content in the coming weeks. This will help us to pay the bills and keep the proverbial lights on. The overall impact on the show will be minimal, with ads at the beginning, middle and end of each episode. We'll try to avoid putting any in the middle of the story. We hope you'll give them a listen and perhaps patronise some businesses. And now, on with the show. We have a single story for you this week, Fablers, but it is a doozy. The hilarious fairy tale, The Cow and the Beanstalk, by Julie Frost, which answers the burning question from one of our favourite fairy tales, Why would a man trade magic beans for a seemingly ordinary cow? Julie writes every shade of speculative fiction and lives in Utah with her family, which consists of an equal number of guinea pigs and people, and a collection of anteaters and oaxacan carvings, some of which intersect. Her short fiction has appeared in Cosmos, Unlikely Story, Plasma Frequency, Stupefying Stories and others, and she was a finalist at Writers of the Future and the Hidden Prize for Prose. Her first novel, Pack Dynamics, was released at Salt Lake Comic Con 2015 by Wordfire Press and sold out there much to everyone's delight. She whines about writing a lot on her blog, the link to which is in the show notes. The story is read by the indomitable Rish Outfield, who has done an outstanding job on a relatively lengthy story. Rish is a writer, actor and podcaster who can be heard as co-host of the Dune Steef audio fiction magazine, which presents genre stories with a full cast. He also performs audiobooks for Audible and occasionally becomes a wolf, but only when the wolfsbane blooms and the moon is full and bright. We appreciate the extra time he put into this one. We also owe him a few beers. And now, The Cow and the Beanstalk by Julie Frost. (laughs) 
Once upon a time, I was unfaithful to my fiancé. That went, I, about as well as you'd expect. You traitorous varlet, Mary screamed at me. Please, beloved, this isn't what it looks like. I dodged the chamber pot she flung in my head. Fortunately, it was empty. Unfortunately, this was, in fact, exactly what it looked like. With my own sister? Catherine, the sister in question, waved a languid hand. You should be pleased with how long it took me to wear him down. Quite noble, your young man. Struth. I finally had to bespell him before he'd give in, and even that wasn't easy. Mary growled, a noise I'd never heard her make before. You've always hated me, witch, and tried to steal every bit of happiness away that you could. I should have killed you in your cradle. She leaped on top of the bed and aimed her nails at Catherine's eyes, while I struggled off the other side and fell to the floor, fumbling with my clothes. Catherine caught Mary's wrists and flung her backwards. She seemed rather amused by the whole thing. You silly cow, she said, leaning out of the way when Mary came back with a wild swing of a delicate fist. Hmm, yes. She flicked her fingers, and suddenly... A whitish-cream, doe-eyed Jersey cow stood on the bed where Mary had. Much more suitable, I think, Catherine said. The bed wasn't designed for the sudden burden of a full-sized cow standing on it, and it collapsed abruptly to the floor. The cow that Mary had become bellowed, staggered, and fell down, right on top of Catherine. Catherine wasn't designed for the burden of a full-sized cow either and she was crushed beneath seven hundred weight of bovine muscle and bone. Mary scrambled to her feet and off the bed. Catherine's mouth moved, but no sound came out, and her hands flapped uselessly at her sides. She died with a most surprised expression on her face, and I'm ashamed to say that I cowered against the wall and did nothing to try to help her. Not much I could have done in any case, but in retrospect— I'd have been a better human being had I, at least, made an attempt. Mary eyed me balefully for a second, and I entertained a terrifying vision of her impaling me on those long, sharp horns, one of which curled up at a wild angle. But she just flirted her tail and trotted out the door, shaking her head. I've made a right ash of things, Thomas, I said muzzily into my beer that night. She'll never come back to me now. Cheer up, Gordon, he said. We'd been friends since childhood, always getting into mischief together. Now we were grown. The mischief had mellowed. But the friendship hadn't. Just talk to her. Catherine set out to seduce you. It's not like you were looking for it. Mary will understand. She won't understand you, knit. I slammed my mug down on the table, making the other patrons in the pub jump. She's a cow. I told you that. I well, you got quite the head start on drinking tonight. I thought you were being metaphorical and all. He lifted an eyebrow. A cow? Horns? Tail? Gives four gallons a day? Moo? Moo, I confirmed, more gloomy than ever. The memory of the horns and what they could have done to me was still giving me waking nightmares, 
and Mary had disappeared into the forest. No one in the village had seen an ownerless cow wandering about. Not only that, but some enterprising soul had burned Catherine's cottage to the ground, with her body still in it, and hysteria over witchcraft was at a fever pitch. People were looking at me out of the corners of their eyes, and muttering and making the sign against evil behind their backs. Thomas was the only one who'd wanted to sit with me tonight. "'What will you do?' he eyed me over his pint. "'Try to find her, I suppose. I can't leave her as she is.' "'That would be tragic.' I felt my nostrils flare. "'Are you having me on?' "'Are you?' He lifted his hands defensively at my glare. "'All I'm saying is that Mary getting transformed into a cow is too fantastic for words, and you, my friend, are very, very intoxicated.' I buried my face in my arms. "'Oh, gods, you don't believe me. Nobody believes me. Well, everyone believes something happened. Catherine wasn't exactly known for her discretion.' He patted my back. "'But maybe she bewitched you into seeing something you didn't actually see.' "'Did she bewitch the hoof marks on her own chest, too? And the collapsed bed, was that an illusion?' I drained my pint and stumbled to my feet. I'm going to look for Mary. If you won't help me, then you can just piss off. Now, now, don't be that way. Of course I'll help. Just... He paused. It's midnight, eh? Hard to find an animal in the dark what doesn't want to be found. First thing in the morning, then. The beer mist swirled around inside my head. I was barely lucid enough to realize that he was right. You help me find her. Thomas slung an arm over his shoulder and helped me out the door. I surely will. The next morning, the pounding headache made me regret all that beer. More so when Thomas burst into my cottage far too early, full of loud good cheer and enthusiasm. Up and at him, boyo. We're going to find Mary today. Except we didn't. Not that day, nor the next nor the next. The week flew by, and no one had seen either her or a strange cow wandering about. It was as though she'd disappeared into thin air. Considering the circumstances, I thought it might be a possibility. On the seventh night, after a day of fruitless searching, Thomas and I sat in the pub. You know, I said, spinning my pint around on the table, magic got me into this mess. Maybe magic can get me out. Thomas eyed me warily. What are you on about, then? The wise woman in the forest. I wonder if she can help. No, 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 you don't want to do that. He made the sign against evil and took a deep gulp of his beer. She'll want some sort of price you won't be willing to pay, and then she'll exact some sort of vengeance on you when you refuse. Plus, I heard she eats babies. Don't be ridiculous, Thomas. Of course she doesn't eat babies. And she finds things that other people can't. I stared pensively at a stain on the ceiling. I have a lock of Mary's hair. I think we should pay her a visit tomorrow. You can pay her a visit tomorrow, mate. I'm not going anywhere near her. Oh, I get it. You'll look for a girl who's been magicked into a cow with me, but when it comes to talking with someone magic who might be able to help— you turn tail. 
I punched him lightly on the arm. Come on, Thomas. You're afraid of a little old lady. I've seen you face down charging boars in the hunt. A boar can't turn me into a toad if I make it angry. Then let's not make her angry, eh? The little cottage in the forest looked innocuous enough, whitewashed with a thatched roof and a trickle of smoke trailing from the chimney. I dismounted and handed my reins to Thomas, who stayed mounted to be able to make a quick getaway if necessary. She starts waving her hands around and chanting, I'm out and you're on your own, Gordon. Fair enough. I stepped forward and rapped on the door. If I'd expected a warty, stooped old hag dressed all in black and sporting a tall, pointed hat, I'd have been disappointed. She wasn't young, but she wasn't ancient either, and the brown eyes that peered at me were lively and intelligent. She nodded as if she'd been expecting me. Come in, come in. Gordon? Thomas's expression was alarmed. No worries, I waved at him, although I wasn't quite as sanguine as I appeared as I followed her into the cottage. Sit, sit, she said. Tea? Uh, sure, I said, taking a seat in an overstuffed chair. Thank you. The room was filled with comfortable furniture and dust-collecting bric-a-brac that served no useful purpose I could see. Of course, I wasn't a witch. She poured for both of us and sat on the sofa. Your young lady is in quite a bit of difficulty. Aye. I sipped the tea, which was the exact sweetness I liked, and wondered how she knew. Can you help us? Can is such a broad word. She lifted her eyebrow. The question really is, are you willing to do what's required, no matter the consequences? I suppose, I said carefully. That depends on what's required and what the consequences are. You're cautious. That's good. Many of the people coming here make wild protestations that they'll do anything, yes, anything, to get their love back, right off the mark. They then get terribly embarrassed if they find out that the cost is more than they're willing to bear. She held her hand out. Give me the cup. Let's see what it says. I'd finished the tea, and some leaves still swam in the residue at the bottom. I handed it over to her, and she swirled it around, muttering and squinting. Finally, she set it aside with a sigh. You're not going to like it. I don't like it that my fiancé was turned into a cow, I said rather sharply. What could possibly be worse than that? Getting eaten by a giant? Her own voice was sharp and I conceded the point. You've got a long road ahead of you, with no guarantee of success at the end. I can start you on it, but where it will end is murky. All journeys start with a single step, I said. What do I have to do? You've got to be kidding me, Thomas said later that afternoon, as we stood in a clearing in the forest waiting for. A gnome? Really? I told you going to see the witch was a bad idea. A gnome, really, said a voice at our feet. We looked down to see a tiny, man-like creature sitting on a toadstool, glaring up at us with his arms crossed and his pointed ears quivering. Trudy said you could help us, 
I said to him politely. I'd gotten the wise woman's name, finally, right before she'd sent us here. Help you what? Get his fiancée back. She's been turned into a cow, said Thomas. Oh, that one. The gnome rolled his eyes. Aye, I can help you with that. But I need you to help me with something first. A bit of quid pro quo, see? We'll do our best, certainly, I said. He knew about Mary, which was more useful than anyone else had been. What do you need help with? See this here beanstalk? He gestured at a huge, multi-stemmed vine growing straight up into the clouds, with no visible means of support. Aye, Thomas said with a wary expression. Giant lives up there. He stole my family, he did. The gnome raised a finger. Get him back for me, and I'll give you something that'll help you get the little woman back. A cow. She's a cow now, aye. You want us to get your family back from a child? Thomas's expression had gone flat. Couple of sharp lads like yourselves shouldn't be much trouble. The gnome shrugged. I'd do it myself, but the giant knows what I look like, eh? And he's eager to add me to his little collection of oddities. Thomas started backing away. Gordon! I caught him by the arm. Marries a cow, Thomas. Oh, bloody hell! Trudy chose that moment to show up. Have you and Norman come to an agreement? she asked. She didn't actually pronounce the G in the name, but I could hear it anyway, clear as a bell. He said what he wants, I told her, but he hasn't said what he can do for us in return. It'll be worth it, Norman said. You have my guarantee on that. Never doubt the word of a gnome, said Trudy. So, are we going? We? Thomas stared. What's this we stuff? I'm coming with you, of course. The giant has something I want as well. Now, just a sodding minute. Thomas, I said. What's it going to hurt? She's a little old lady. She'll slow us down. Oh, odds bodkins, she muttered, and began shinning her way up the beanstalk, spry as a twelve-year-old boy. Twenty feet high, she glanced down. Are you coming? I shrugged. Nothing else for it, I guess. Let's go, Thomas. That slow little old lady is showing us up. Oh, wait, Norman said. This should help. He handed me a walnut-sized stone that looked utterly ordinary, and I stuck it in my pocket and chased after Trudy. We never did catch her, and she met us at the top with a grin. Only, good gods! What's happened to your face, then? Thomas asked. Her eyes shifted about, although she tried to hide her unease. Is there something wrong with my face? It's youthened, I said. Quite a bit. You look about, what, nineteen? Well, flay me alive, she said. I guess the glamour doesn't work up here. Glamour? Thomas asked, crossing his arms. Look at me. No one takes a young wise woman seriously, right? She crossed her own arms. So I age myself. Everyone sees what they expect, and I can run my business. She shrugged, embarrassed. 
I'm not even the original wise woman. I'm subletting while Agnes takes a sabbatical. Sub. I did some quick calculations. You know, the baby-eating rumours did seem to appear rather suddenly. I started them myself. When those two brats broke in and tried to shove me into my own oven, I thought I should throw a bit of a scare into the local populace. She gestured off into the distance, where a castle stood waiting. Shall we? Distances were deceptive here, and we came upon the castle much sooner than I expected to. It loomed above us, dark and forbidding and appropriately creepy. Thorny vines grew across the mossy stones, rooting in the gaps between them. Melancholy harp music emanated from a window lost in the clouds. The portcullis was at least thirty feet high, and cawing crows wheeled overhead. Thomas rubbed his arms. Norman wasn't kidding when he said, Giant, was he? What are you after, Trudy? I asked. What's a giant got that's so interesting to a witch? I'm not a witch, she corrected. Oh, no, of course not, Thomas muttered. Witches get burned at the stake, or drowned. Wise women are just harmless old ladies in the woods who know a little helpful herbal lore. She glared at him. I'll thank you to remember that. I'm partial to staying unroasted. Anyway, he's got a grimoire in there that would be quite valuable to my studies. Grimoire? That's not witchy at all. Thomas rolled his eyes. So, all we have to do is find Norman's family, get them out, steal this grimoire of yours, and then we can go, right? I asked. Steal is such a judgmental word. I prefer appropriate, said Trudy primly. Whichever. Now it was my turn to roll my eyes. Can I presume you know where he keeps it? Not precisely, but it shouldn't be that hard to find. I gazed at the castle, which was at least twice the size of our entire village. No, not at all. It emanates magic. Again, I could hear the K at the end of the word, and I wondered how she did that. Follow my nose, and it should lead us right to it. And Norman's family? Where would they be? She scratched her jaw. Either the dungeon or the tower, I'm thinking. Yes, very useful. I hitched up my trousers. Well, shall we? The first order of business, naturally, was to get past the huge red dragon chained up in the foyer. It slept coiled up in a ball, with smoke curling from its nose, and it seemed— Is it just me, or does it sound like it's sick? Thomas said, his voice pitched low. The dragon chose that moment to rear up, sneeze out a damp flame, and flop its head miserably back on the floor. Its eyes were gummed with mucus, and its nostrils dribbled green snot onto the floor in long strings. Oh, he looks so sad, poor creature, said Trudy. She reached into the pouch at her belt, and Thomas grabbed her wrist. Oh, what are you doing? he whispered furiously. That thing hasn't noticed this yet, probably because it's got a cold, which is damned lucky for us. Leave it. Trudy made a whining noise down in her throat, but saw the wisdom. We managed to sneak past the wretched dragon and into the castle proper. 
Trudy glanced over her shoulder at the creature several times, and I hoped she wasn't planning on doing anything silly. We found ourselves in a room with hallways and stairways branching up, down, and sideways. Oh, this is just fantastic, Thomas said. Now what? Trudy turned in a circle, sniffing and fluttering her hands. What? I started. Shh, she said, eyes closed. It's this way. She pointed at a stairway leading down that looked like every other stairway. Guttering torches lined the walls, smearing them with smoky residue. The steps themselves were huge, two feet long and a foot and a half tall, on average, made of irregular paving stones. The Grimoire or Norman's family? I asked. Oh, um, the Grimoire. She went slightly sheepish. I think it can help us find Norman's family. There's sure to be a locator spell in there we can use. No. Not a witch, not at all, Thomas muttered. I elbowed him, and we followed Trudy down the stairs, which deposited us into an ill-lit corridor. A squeaking rat the size of a sheepdog ran over my foot, and I jumped, shuddering. Eeeh! Nasty things! They probably think the same of you, Trudy said acerbically. Here we are, down this way, and right through this door— I stopped her before she did something stupid. Don't just open it. Are you crazy? There could be all kinds of traps on that door. At least check it before you go barging in there. She waved her hand in front of it a few times and peeked through the keyhole. I'm getting a bookish feeling, all right? And I'm not detecting any traps. Fine. In you go, then. Thomas wasn't shy about letting her go first. Aren't you a brave one? She muttered. She turned the knob and opened the door. We stood there for two terrified seconds before she slammed it shut again. The thing inside banged against it an instant later. Thomas collapsed in giggles against the opposite wall. His laughter had a hysterical edge. A bookish feeling? Yes, indeed. I can see where you'd get that. <laughs> so could I because inside that room had been a ten-foot-long animated leather-bound tome, with teeth. "'Something like that really puts the grim in grimoire,' I said. "'Yes, you two. Very funny,' Trudy huffed. "'You should put a minstrel act together.' "'Now what?' Thomas asked. "'Obviously that wasn't your book.' "'Actually, it was.' He gaped at her. You're having me on. Please tell me you're having me on. I'm afraid not. She looked thoughtful. Someone didn't want ordinary people to be able to get hold of it. That's quite the protection spell it's got going. Can you break it? I said with morbid curiosity. And can we watch? I should be able to, she answered. With a bit of luck and the right incantation. Not sure I like relying on luck for something like this. Eh, luck is where you make it. She twitched her skirt round her ankles and reached into a bag, rummaging through some smaller pouches. A bit of this and a pinch of that and a handful of— Ooh, yes. Oh, all right, you two. Stand back. No worries, Thomas said. I ranged myself beside him. 
didn't seem right somehow to let her go into this battle by herself, but neither of us were schooled in magic, so nothing else for it. She took a deep breath, flung the door open, shouted an incantation, and tossed her handful of ingredients at the thing. Then she squeaked, Oh, bollocks, and slammed the door shut again. What happened? Thomas asked. Uh, it doubled in size and drew more fangs. She rummaged through her pouches again. Oh, no wonder. I need a handful of this and a pinch of that. Whoops! Thomas rested his head back against the wall with his arm over his eyes. We're doomed. Once more into the breach, she said, undaunted. She repeated her previous actions, and this time gave a ha of satisfaction. Stepping into the cell, she emerged with the book, which was still leather-bound. But now it was strapped round with brass doodads covered in verdigris. It looked like it hadn't been opened in decades. Thankfully, it was only about two feet long now, and the teeth were gone. I breathed a sigh of relief. That's it. Can we go get Norman's family now? Before she could answer, we were interrupted by a booming female voice. Well, aren't you the cutest little thing? A large bare foot landed on the floor beside Thomas, and a hand reached down, picked him up, and carried him away upstairs before we quite knew what had happened. I gasped. What the hell was that? Trudy blinked several times. I believe that was the giant's wife. She's big. I felt utterly stupid. I knew that storming a giant's castle would involve confronting an actual giant. I just hadn't realized that he'd be married. Yes, that would be the operative definition of giant. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Trudy snapped her fingers in front of my face. Come on, we have to rescue Thomas. Who knows what she's going to do to him? Rescue him from that? How? I assume you know how to use that pig sticker you're wearing? Trudy said, pointing at my sword, which I'd forgotten I had. 
It's not just for decoration, is it? I can't kill a lady, even if she is a giantess, I objected. No, but you can threaten and distract her while I get Thomas out of his pickle, right? Oh, gods. We crept up the stairs and peeked around the corner. No one was anywhere in sight, although we could hear the dragon sneezing in the foyer. Trudy sniffed the air. This way, she whispered. How do you know? I drew my sword and followed her anyway. Because cooking smells emanate from a kitchen, and that's generally where you find wives at mealtime. I stopped, appalled. You don't think she's going to eat him? I have no idea, she said impatiently. But she might if we don't get there in time. So I suggest we hurry, so we can suss out the lay of the land and make sure she's not chucked him into the stew-pot already. I swore and dashed down the hall, but Trudy caught me by the back of the tunic before I could run into the kitchen and do something truly brainless. It won't do for us to be captured as well, she said, which was quite reasonable when I stopped to think about it. We came to the doorway of the kitchen and peeked around it inside. The giant lady stood at the stove, stirring something in a cook-pot and humming to herself. A playpen with a lid on it was situated in the corner of the room, and Thomas, looking halfway between disgruntled and terrified, sat cross-legged inside it. I leaned against the wall with my arm over my eyes. So not only is there a giant wife, there's a giant baby as well. This day just keeps getting better and better. Remember why you're here. Trudy said. Mary's a cow. Mary's a cow. Mary's a cow, I chanted. Right then. I looked again. You know, she seems quite occupied. I'm thinking I could go in there and cut him out before she noticed, and then we could nip down the stairs over there. I'll keep watch, and distract her if need be. Trudy nodded decisively. Let's go. We crept in using the table and chairs for the dubious cover they provided. Thomas saw us, and I put a finger to my lips before he forgot himself and cried out. He clamped his mouth shut and nodded. My sword made short work of the playpen mesh, and Thomas had just about crawled through when the giant lady turned around and saw what we were up to. Here! she shouted. I yanked Thomas out bodily, and the three of us scampered out the door and down the flight of stairs, finding ourselves in a root cellar with carrots and potatoes, half our size. We hid behind some barrels after tripping over God's new what in the dark, and the giantess cursed but couldn't see us. She'd neglected to bring a torch, and stomped back upstairs. We followed, treading softly, and slipped down a different hallway, and then up a flight of steps. We peeked around the corner to see that she'd armed herself with a torch and a fireplace poker, and was sallying down to the root cellar to do battle with us. Happy to have evaded her, we continued up another flight of stairs, before stopping to take a breather in a hallway. "'Bloody hell,' Thomas said. "'Thank you. I was afraid she was going to gut me, right there, and toss me in the stew.' "'So were we,' I told him. Let's none of us get caught that way again, I. I, he agreed fervently. Now what? Trudy gave him a sunny smile. Let's find Norman's family, and then we can all go home. 
the corridor stretched out in front and behind us, far in both directions. Stairs went up and stairs went down, and doorways and corridors leading who knew where opened every which way. So, where to? I asked. Because, good grief! You're asking me? Trudy said, eyes wide. You seem to think you know what you're doing, so I, Thomas told her. Didn't you say you could find them once you had this book of yours? She clutched the tome to her chest. In a manner of speaking, in a manner of speaking, I might need some ingredients. So we should go back to the kitchen, I said. Not on your bloody life. Thomas crossed his arms. You know she was going to eat me. How hard could casting a spell to find a family of gnomes in a place like this be? It's not like they'd be thick on the ground here. It's not so simple as that, Trudy glared at him. Cool. Some which—excuse me, wise woman you are. Can you find them, or can't you? I remembered the stone Norman had given me. How about this? I asked, fishing it out of my pocket. It's a rock, Thomas said unnecessarily. Trudy's eyes went wide. Did Norman give you that? I. He said it would help. You could have said something sooner, she huffed. Well, between the coughing dragon, the carnivorous book, and the cannibalistic giantess, I'm afraid it slipped my mind. So sorry. I gave it to her. What's it for? It's a gnome stone. It glows whenever the proper incantation is applied, and there's a gnome anywhere about. Oh, I very useful then. Thomas grinned with all his teeth. Let's have the proper incantation, and Bob's your uncle. We'll be home by sunset. She held the stone in her fist and muttered a few words. A few seconds later, it shone so brightly we could see the bones in her hand. She opened her palm, and the stone was glowing on one side. This way, Trudy said, pointing in the direction on the glowy side. Now we're getting somewhere. Thomas clapped me on the back. Follow the stone. It led us down the corridor and up six flights of stairs into a tower. A ladder ascended from the end of the stairs to a trap door in the ceiling. Can it be this easy? Thomas said. Surely not. One way to find out, Trudy said. Gordon, would you like to do the honours? The rungs of the ladder were nearly three feet apart and bloody awkward to climb. I checked the door but didn't find anything. This giant fellow seemed awfully secure for someone with a castle full of oddities, but I supposed he didn't have many visitors. Hooking an arm round the top rung, I pushed the trap door open and cautiously peeked into the room. Gah! Six tiny, naked, blue creatures leaped at my face. I ducked back down and slammed the door, but not before one of them tangled himself in my hair and began tugging it with all his might and screeching like an owl. Garrett, off and shut it up! I shouted, slapping at it. I slid down the ladder and tumbled to the floor. It'll have the whole place down round our heads. Oh, hold still, Thomas said. It hurts. Ow! I flapped my arms wildly, and it fastened its teeth in my ear. Thomas finally clouted my head hard enough to dislodge the creature. Unfortunately, he also killed it in the process. 
and he caught it before it fell to the floor. It lay, sad and broken, in his hand. Pointed ears, big hands and feet, and lower fangs that protruded from its jaw, told me that this was no gnome. "'This is a goblin,' I said. "'Trudy? Um, oops.' She looked abashed. "'I may have transposed a word. Uh, let me try again.' "'Oh, bloody hell!' Thomas muttered. "'You're not very good at this, are you?' "'What? Gnomes and goblins are about the same size. They're related, and they both start with G. I'd like to see you do better.' The last sentence was said under a breath. "'Leave it, Thomas,' I said, and he subsided with ill grace. Trudy repeated her incantation, and I couldn't honestly tell if it was the same one or not. But the opposite side of the stone glowed, and none of us had any better ideas, so we followed it back down. This time it led us to the dungeon. We had to dodge the giant's wife on the way down, but she single-mindedly went into a room from which giant-sized baby cries were emitting. So we felt almost fortunate that the child had chosen that moment to awaken. It meant she'd be occupied for a fair bit. I held my hand at the bottom of the stairs, winded and sweating. "'Let's have a break for a minute,' I wheezed, wiping my brow with my sleeve. I would need a bath by the time this was over. I didn't plan to travel this much today. We caught our breath in the glow of the stone. "'Are you sure it's right this time?' Thomas said. "'Because that was a nasty surprise.' Bad enough to have one in a tower. Down here, he gestured around the damp, musty dungeon. This is an evil place to be trapped. Trudy was a bit uneasy. Well, I don't see any other way to find them. If this doesn't work, I'll consult the grimoire. But that's a dodgy proposition, too, because I haven't studied it. They all have their own little quirks, you know. No, I don't know. I tend to stay away from the Uga Booga stuff. He crossed his arms. Messing about with forces we don't know a blessed thing about. Not for me. Give me my fire and my forge any day. Oh, right. Messing about with things that can burn you horribly is much better. Better than being turned into a toad if you make the wrong elemental angry with you. I. I was growing weary of the bickering. All right, you two. Shall we go on? We heaved ourselves to our feet and followed the glow of the stone around a couple more corners. At the end of the corridor, a barred door squatted and the entire stone burst into light. Now that's something like, Trudy said. They must be in there. Thomas walked over and looked between the bars and thumped his head once on the door. Well, you could say that. Oh, gods, what now? I said. I looked in and saw that the cell had at least ten bird cages inside, hanging from hooks and sitting on tables, and each of those cages held a family of gnomes. They saw us and began gesticulating and shouting in their tiny voices. That complicates matters, Trudy said. Do you think? Thomas said, sarcasm dripping from his tone. I never would have guessed. We have to take them all. Och! I don't fancy that, he objected. How are we going to do that and get out of here unseen? Pockets, of course. Hush, darlings, she said to the gnomes. 
we'll have you out in a tick, and you wouldn't want to bring the giant down by all that noise. Hurry, missus, one of them said. He's going to be here soon for to clean and feed us. The door to the cell was unlocked, and we scrambled inside and loaded them into our pockets to muffled cries of, Ow! Get off! And your foot's in my face, and, well, your elbow's in my ear. We're looking particularly for Nancy, Newton and Nellie, Trudy said. Are they here? Eh, hey, missus, said a voice from my pocket. All three. That was something, anyway. Now all we had to do was get out. We'd made it around the corner and halfway down the hallway, when we stopped in our tracks at the sound of a booming voice ahead of us. Fee, fi, fo, fum. I smell the blood of an Englishman. Be he alive or be he dead, I'll grind his bones to make my bread. And the English woman's bones, too. Thomas said a bad word and looked wildly around. But we were trapped unless we wanted to hide in one of the cells. From the noises coming out of some of them, the consequences of that might be worse than facing the giant. Open to suggestions here, I said frantically. The giant was still out of sight around a corner, but wouldn't be for long. Straight at him, said Trudy. He won't be expecting that. Oh, no, because that's stupid, said Thomas. Well, where else are we to go? Clearly he can smell us wherever we are. Our only recourse is to confront him directly and bull our way through. Gordon, your sword. I drew it with a clang. I hadn't told her that I wasn't actually very good with it, but Thomas knew. He gave a doubtful shrug, because it was better than nothing, but his expression told me that he thought we were all going to die. I wasn't sure he was wrong. We charged, yelling for all we were worth, and pelted round the corner to see the giant lumbering in our direction. Trudy stopped short and flung the gnome stone at the giant's head. It bounced off his cheek, but didn't do any damage, and probably wouldn't have even had she managed to hit him directly in the eye with it, because he was just that big. Twenty feet tall, by my judgment. Not that I got out a measuring stick. Thomas turned tail and ran back, although where he thought he was going I had no clue. The answer came a moment later when he shouted, Flatten yourselves against the wall! A loud and angry snort sounded behind us, and a manticore charged past. About eight feet tall, it smashed the giant above the right knee with a resounding crack and the driving force of a stampeding bull. One of its horns left a long and bleeding slash at the joint. Thomas came up behind us, panting. "'Saw that in one of the cells,' he said, as the manticore and the giant squared off. "'I bet it's not too happy with our large friend there.' The giant had a distinct limp now, but the manticore was shaking its head, half-stunned. While they were occupied with one another, we attempted to sidle past. The giant aimed a kick at the manticore that sent it crashing against the opposite wall. It slid down in a dazed and winded heap, and our only ally was out of the fight. The giant scooped Thomas up as he ran by. "'Aren't you a clever one?' he boomed. "'Not feeling very clever right now, no, sir,' Thomas choked. Trudy waved her hand and muttered something, 
and a green miasma swirled around us for a second before swooping up and engulfing the giant's face. At the same time, I suddenly felt cleaner and drier than I had since we'd had to make our first run for it. The giant coughed and gagged and fell to his knees. Thomas scrambled loose from his hand and leaped free, the gnomes in his pocket crying out in terror. I stabbed the giant in the left foot for good measure, and we scurried down the corridor again, found the stairs, and beat it for all we were worth up them. The giant roared behind us, but I'd apparently hit him in a good spot, and he couldn't follow very well. The wife had come running, hearing all the noise, but she had an arm full of baby and couldn't do much but try to kick at us as we went by. We dodged nimbly and were almost free, until we collided with the dragon chained up in the foyer. Its head reared up, and it snorked a gob of mucus onto the floor as we fell on our collective behinds, winded from the impact. "'We're going to die,' Thomas said decisively. "'No, we're not,' Trudy said just as decisively. "'Who's a pretty boy?' she crooned at the dragon. "'Don't feel too well, do you?' It moaned at her. "'I can help you with that, if you promise not to set us on fire.' It flopped its head back on the floor with a gusty sigh that blew a spray of snot all over us. No flame, thankfully, but the snot was unpleasant enough. Trudy reached into the bag at her belt. She rummaged through a series of smaller pouches until she found the one she wanted. "'Here, inhale this,' she said, sprinkling some sort of powder over the dragon's nostrils. Three times. There's a good fellow.' Thomas and I, meanwhile, had commenced edging around the creature toward the front door. "'Hurry, Trudy,' I said between my teeth. "'The giant isn't going to take forever to get here, you know.' The dragon did as she told it, and immediately looked happier. The slime dripping from its nostrils decreased by about half, and its breathing eased. It nuzzled her chest, almost knocking her over, and she planted a kiss on its large and scaly forehead. Her mouth turned down at the corners as she contemplated the metal shackle around its neck, but we couldn't do anything about it. "'You poor thing. You cover our escape, though, right?' she asked it, stroking its throat. It made a noise of agreement and settled itself facing the inner part of the castle. "'There we are, then,' Trudy said, while Thomas gazed at her with new respect. "'Let's go.' Norman was happy to see his family, although less happy to see some of the other gnomes we'd liberated. Turned out they were clan rivals or some such. I didn't care about gnome politics. I just wanted him to give me what he'd promised. "'Here you go,' he said. He gave me a handful of... "'Beans?' "'Magic beans?' he clarified. You see that ere beanstalk you just come down? I can't exactly miss it. How are these things going to help me get Mary back? If you plant them, they grow overnight, and then you can climb them to get to the giant's realm. And why in bloody hell would anyone sane want to do that? Thomas demanded. The giant's got treasure up there, you saw, no doubt. We were too busy trying to stay alive to go peeking in his cupboards. I said frostily. Trust me. Grouchy, I shoved the beans into my pocket, feeling no closer to finding Mary than when we'd started the whole mad adventure. 
All that for bloody magic beans. Come over for tea, Trudy said. I made fresh scones this morning. I should get back to my forge, Thomas said. Strawberry jam, she countered, and that settled it. She sat us down in her parlour with a plate of scones between us while she put the kettle on to boil. She's a bit of all right, Thomas mumbled around a mouthful of bread. What happened to she'll turn me into a toad if I look at her wrong? I asked. Did you see how she made the dragon an ally? That's a smart woman, that is. Could use someone with her brains about the place. Thomas, Twitter pated. This was new, and all I needed. Focus, Thomas, I said. How am I going to find Mary, who is, might I remind you, a cow? My grimoire might be able to help you with that, Trudy said, coming in with a tray. I'll need to study it for a bit, though. I felt as if the exploit at the castle had been a monumental waste of time, and said so. You've got a grimoire you can't use, and I've got— I snorted. Magic beans. Although Thomas got the piss taken out of him a bit, so I guess it wasn't all bad. Here now— he said good-naturedly as Trudy poured him a cuppa. What was that green cloud thing you did back there, Trudy? Threw our giant for a loop, it did. She looked smug. I gathered up the body odour we'd accumulated running about the castle and used it as poison gas. Bloody brilliant! She curtsied in her seat. Why, thank you, Sarah. Dimpling, she said. Turning the manticore loose was a fantastic idea. Good gods, they were both going gooey-eyed. My head hurt, and I was suddenly tired. I stood up. I think I'm going home. Maybe things will look clearer in the morning. Here, Gordon, are you all right, old chap? Thomas said. I shrugged and headed toward the door. Don't do anything I wouldn't do, you two. Over the next week or so, I continued my fruitless search for Mary, while Thomas commenced romancing Trudy. I never want you to twit me about mooning about over love ever again, I told him sourly in the pub one night. He'd spent the day searching out herbs in the forest for her. No more signs against evil in her clearing, either. He was head over heels, and no mistake. Oh, she's a keeper, she is, he grinned. She's been studying that there magic book, trying to figure out a way to find Mary. What'd she say the other day? He sat up straighter. Oh, I, didn't you say you had a lock of Mary's hair? She can use that. We should take it to her tomorrow. You just want an excuse to go see her again, I grumbled. But it's not like I've got any better ideas. Next morning, I shooed my cat out of the dresser drawer and retrieved Mary's lock of hair from under my socks. After I collected Thomas, we went to see Trudy. She smiled and pecked Thomas on the cheek, and I rolled my eyes. Didn't take magic to see a wedding in their future. I showed her the hair. I hope you don't need all of it, I said. She twisted her mouth to one side, contemplating it. Probably not. She opened the grimoire and ran her finger down the page. Here we are. Looks like I'll need about half of it, Gordon. 
it was an acceptable risk. She gathered some herbs and ground them in a pestle. After that, she burned them with the hair in a crucible while chanting something or other. A bit of light poofed out and made a thrice-wise circle before zooming out the door. "'Wait!' Trudy cried, and it zipped back in, bouncing in the air. If a piece of light could look impatient, it did. We leaped up, and it went back out. We followed as best we could, and it acted like a sheepdog, getting a set distance ahead before coming back to us, making the circle again, and then going ahead. It flitted through the woods, headed through the village, and went straight through my front door, as if it wasn't there. "'Wait, what?' I objected. "'Mary's not in my house. I couldn't miss a cow, for God's sake.' "'Maybe she's changed back into a girl, and she's come home,' Thomas said as we opened the door. The light floated in the centre of the room. As soon as we came in, it nipped up the ladder to my sleeping chamber. We exchanged glances, and I climbed the ladder. "'Mary?' Oh. A few seconds of disappointed staring, and I climbed back down. Unless Mary's turned into a large orange tomcat, your spell didn't work, I told Trudy. Large orange. What? Trudy went up to have a look for herself, and came back down after confirming that the light hovered above the cat resting in the centre of my bed. Well, how did that happen? I smacked my forehead. I keep the lock of hair in my dresser, and that's where the cat sleeps when I forget to close the drawer. Contaminated sample, Thomas said. You don't even want that in blacksmithing. Can't imagine what he'd do with a magic spell. Probably lucky it didn't turn me into a cat, I grumbled. Oh, a simple locator spell wouldn't do anything so drastic, Trudy said. We can do it again and make sure there's nothing odd this time. I balked. That last bit of hair is all I have left of her. But once we find her, you can have all the hair you like, Thomas pointed out. The spell did all right with the cat. We'll have Mary back in half a tick. Still the matter of turning her back into a girl. All right, I said. I'm still uneasy about this, though. We sorted through the lock of hair and removed all the cat fur, which apparently got everywhere. Trudy repeated the spell, and a little glow of light erupted from the crucible. It spun around three times, hesitated, then spun in tighter and tighter circles, throwing off embers. We all backed away from it. Trudy? Thomas said. The word came out as a squeak. That doesn't look right, she admitted as the light finally disappeared in an explosion of red and green sparks. Oh, bugger! She consulted the grimoire again. I sat down with my face in my hands. I'm never going to find her. Oh, Trudy said. Now I get it. What? I asked. Well, we used hair from when she was a girl. She's a cow now. It confused the spell. That's just bloody fantastic. I rose heavily to my feet. I'm going to the pub. Thomas and Trudy exchanged glances. You shouldn't be alone. I'll come with, Thomas said. Just so you know, I'm planning on getting very, very drunk.
and I did. It didn't make me feel any better. Weeks passed. I attempted to enlist the aid of pixies, elves and sprites, to no avail. A troll up on the mountain provided a nearly fatal experience, without getting me any closer to finding Mary. And Thomas and Trudy continued to make googly eyes at each other. It was sickening. Eventually, I had to confine my quest to evenings and weekends. My leather-working business was suffering as a result of my obsession, and I had to eat. Practical considerations nibbled away at my guilt. After all, if Mary wanted to be found, she could trot out of the woods and make herself known. I... At last, market day arrived. I was heading home at dusk after setting up a stall at the grounds, when I came around a corner of the path and nearly collided with a young man leading a cow on a string. My heart soared, and my breath caught in my throat when I realized that it was Mary. I'd recognize that wildly angled horn and that glint in her eye when she looked at me anywhere. I tried to dampen my enthusiasm. Hello, lad. Uh, off to the market with this fine-looking cow. Aye, me mum and I are poor, and her milk's stopped, so I'm to sell her. I don't much fancy spending the night at the fairgrounds, though, and I haven't money for a room at the inn. He seemed woebegone at the prospect. I needed to buy her, very badly. If I let her get away after being this close, I'd never forgive myself, and I couldn't chance anyone else seeing her first on the morrow and buying her out from under me. And, of course, I wasn't carrying any money with me. The road was full of strangers and brigands who'd be only too happy to relieve me of any worldly goods, and my life's blood as well. All I had in my pockets were the beans that the gnome had given me all those weeks ago. But I had to try. See here, boy, I'll buy her from you, and then you can just turn around and go straight home. I? He was pathetically eager. How much are you give me, then? I reached into my pocket. I've got something better than money here. And I took my hand out again. I'd have to be careful about reeling this one in. But I doubt you'd be interested. Never mind, lad. You, you can just go on to the market, and I'll see you there in the morning. Come on, do us a favour. He craned his neck. What have you got? Feigning reluctance, I pulled the beans out of my pocket and showed him. Magic beans. Magic? Really? He was all gullible curiosity, but Mary, I could swear, rolled her eyes at me. I Plant them, and they grow overnight straight up to the sky, and there's a giant's castle with all sorts of treasure in it at the top. I went to put them back. But, uh, as I said, you're not having me on. He wanted to believe, I could tell. Been there myself, barely escaped with the breath in my lungs. More than it's worth for me to go back, but a resourceful lad like you, I bet you could come down with the kinds of plunder would make your good mum proud. Bring the glow back to her cheek, eh? It's been hard on her since my dad died. He nodded decisively and pressed the string into my hand. You've got yourself a deal, mister. 
"'If you're sure?' "'Certain sure.' I gave him the beans, and he turned and headed back down the path, whistling a happy tune. I looked at Mary, and Mary looked at me. "'Tis good to see you again, Mary. Can you ever forgive me?' She snorted and fluttered her tail, and nudged me in the stomach with her nose. I took that as an affirmative. "'Thomas and Trudy will be happy to see you. They've been helping me look all this time. You'd be shocked, the adventures we've had.' I led her back toward my cottage, and to think— all I had to do was wait and hang about on the market road, and you'd have come straight to me. Funny old world, innit? She lowed softly. I didn't want to be caught on the road after dark, but I'd certainly take her to Trudy's in the morning. So this is her, Trudy said, examining Mary in my front yard. Hi, I twisted my fingers together. Can you change her back? Thomas shook his finger in Mary's face. "'Do you know the trouble we've had, finding you? You've been a very troublesome girl.' She blew a gob of snot on him, and didn't seem contrite at all. "'Leave be, Thomas,' Trudy said. "'I'm sure her life as a cow wasn't all strawberries and cream. And yes, Gordon, I should be able to change her back. That grim war that you thought we wasted our time liberating will be quite useful.' I've been studying the transmogrification spells in it. I knew we'd find her soon. Have you actually tried any of them? I asked, stroking Mary with a nervous hand. What if it goes horribly wrong? No worries. Aye, I worried anyway. It was my experience that when someone said something like that, worrying was suitable. We all walked over to Trudy's cottage and she set about gathering ingredients. She even clipped some hair from the end of Mary's tail. "'Don't we need to do this at the dark of the moon in a fairy ring or something?' Thomas asked, as Trudy set about drawing a circle and lighting candles in a bare patch of soil behind her house. "'Oh, no,' she said. "'Mary wasn't turned into a cow at the dark of the moon in a fairy ring, was she?' "'Bright afternoon, in a bedroom,' I said. "'shuddering at the memory. "'Well, then, come, Mary, right to the centre. "'There we are.' "'Mary stood in the middle of the circle in the dirt, "'tossing her tail and shaking her horns. "'Trudy shook her ground-up ingredients into a crucible "'and chanted something while she dropped a match into it. "'A bolt of lightning shot out, hit Thomas, "'and turned him into a toad. "'Oh! Oh, dear!' Trudy cried. "'She looked down at her circle.' "'Well, that was bloody careless of me. I didn't close the thing.' She ran over to him and fished him out of his clothing, which had ended up in a heap on the ground. "'Thomas, darling, are you all right?' He croaked at her. It was a miserable sound. "'You really aren't very good at this, are you?' I said. "'Well, I've not been doing it long, and I'm self-taught,' she said, carrying Thomas into the circle with her and setting him down beside Mary. This time she made sure her circle was closed. All right. She repeated the burning and the chanting, and this time the lightning flicked out, struck Mary and Thomas both, and suddenly they were crouched, naked but human, inside the circle. 
They yelped and tried to cover themselves with their hands. Trudy leaped across to Thomas's clothes and handed him the trousers and Mary the tunic, which they quickly donned. There we are, Trudy said with satisfaction. Come on, Mary, I've got a dress you can borrow. Mary and Thomas patted themselves all over, breathing in little panicked gasps. Thomas stopped and glared at Trudy. I don't ever want to go through anything like that ever again. Ugh, slimy. He gave a tremendous shiver and rubbed his arms. Call Trudy a bit more careful, eh? What if you couldn't change me back? Oh, toad-turning is basic. Anyone can do that. Come on, Ol. Let's go inside and have a nice cuppa. She hustled us into her cottage and whistled up a dress, literally, for Mary. While Mary changed, Trudy made a pot of tea, and we settled in to collect ourselves from what had been an unsettling experience. We caught Mary up on what had happened in the village since she'd run off into the woods. The tale was long in the telling, and night had fallen before we were done. Thomas wrapped it up for us. So Gordon was worried sick about you, he was, he said, and he fought a giant and a troll trying to get you back. Made wee leather jerkins for pixies. Laying it on a bit thick, Thomas, I protested. You were there too. Aye, but you were the determined one. Thomas waved his teacup. He was a wonder, Mary. He nearly died. You did all that? For me? Mary said. Well, well, I. I love you, pet. And I wanted you back. I suddenly found the tea leaves in the bottom of my cup mesmerizing. Course, whether you'll have me is quite another matter. I'm aware of that, circumstances being what they were with Catherine. She grasped my hands. Was it true what she said about bespelling you? I still couldn't look at her. I, I should have been stronger, though, and I don't. I nearly dropped the cup when she pinned me to the sofa. With a fervent kiss, you're forgiven," she said when she let me up for air. Oh, I blinked. That's a bit of all right then, and we all of us lived happily ever after. Well, other than Mary's propensity for wanting to sleep in the barn, and Thomas's sudden fascination with flies, but other than that, we lived happily. Ever after. Wow, so many fairy tale tropes turned on their head in this story. It made us dizzy, in a good way. Take time to let the ones you love know how you feel about them, Fablers. You never know when you may have to prove it with an epic quest. If you'd like to share your thoughts on this or any of our stories, you can leave your comments on the Triple F website, our Facebook page, or on Twitter. Please remember that Farfetched Fables operates under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 license, which means you can download the content and share it all you like, but you can't change it and you can't sell it. And be sure to give credit where credit is due. All other copyright remains that of the authors. Violators will be turned into cows and sold at the local market. I'm going to go to that market and see what I can get for my cat. Probably not very many beans. I'll see you all next week. Bye now. This presentation has been brought to you by the District of Wonders Network. <laughs> <laughs>
dedicated to podcasting the finest genre fiction. You can learn more about the District of Wonders and their many literary productions at their website, www.districtofwonders.com. Thank you for listening. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.